And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, hello to everyone. Yeah, I am by myself right now, and that's because my man Josh Thompson had some family matters he had to take care of. But we are going to do this show just a little bit different. We're going to come at you where I'm going to come at you first with my picks and the way I look at things. And then Josh is going to be the caboose and he's going to come on the back end and he's going to give you his opinion. And we're going to combine those two shows so you have a double. It's just that it's not us bantering back and forth, which is good because sometimes he says some things and you just go, what? But... We're going to get into the UFC fight night that's coming up. We've got a Bellator from Dublin, Ireland, the greatest place in the world to watch fights. The Irish fans are absolutely crazy. And we got a couple other little things to talk about. We've got Jake Paul. He's going to be fighting Tommy Fury. Oh, my God. Is anyone interested? Does anyone care? Well, we'll talk about it a little bit. So the first thing we're going to talk and get into is the UFC fight night, the main event is Nikita Krylov against Ryan Spann. And this is an absolutely, it's a fantastic light heavyweight matchup because Nikita's really get coming into his own and he's, he's just coming on as a fighter, fought at heavyweight for a little bit, and he's really looking good. He's got submissions. He likes to be in the stand-up for the most part. But the thing that's scary about this fight is which Ryan Span are you going to get? Because the last Ryan Span we saw was a freaking killer. And he said, this is the first time I ever trained for a fight. And I'm not going to sit there and say whether that's true or not. But if it has any truth behind it at all, because what we saw out of his last fight was we saw what Ryan Spann could be, and this guy could be dynamite in the light heavyweights if he is now training and doing things the right way and getting himself in shape. He has power in his hands, and he's got length, and he's just got all those attributes that you're looking for, and he's up against it in a very good technician in Nikita Krylov. And Nikita, the one thing that he does very well is in the stand-up, if he is not having his way with the stand-up, you're going to see him come into a clinch and he's going to slow the fight down. He's going to just start to do a little bit of dirty boxing inside, try to just hang on Ryan Spann, and then he'll separate and come back into it to see if he can change the timing and momentum of what's going on. But I look at this as this is a really good high-level light heavyweight matchup that the UFC is putting on here for their main event. Love the fact that they're putting these two guys together right now because whoever wins it, is definitely getting up into that picture because there's some age. You know, when you're taking a look at what is sitting at the top of the light heavyweights in the UFC, you know, Jan Blahovich, how long is he going to be there? I don't know, but, you know, he's getting up in age. Glover Teixeira just left. You know, he just retired off of that last fight. You have Jamal Hill, and obviously he's the champion. But when you're looking at this right now, Yuri's out because he's hurt. And then you've got Ankalaev, who... He's sitting there. He's a bad man. But after that, Rakic is out because he's hurt. You got Anthony Smith. He's at that point in his career of, man, it's one of those he can give a great performance or is his next performance the one that you go, he just isn't going to be able to get to that point. He's a great fighter, and I love love him as a person, love him, what everything that he does. 
He's really made himself into a good grappler and everything. But all of these guys, you take a look, man, Ryan Spann and Krylov can actually move themselves up, I believe, very well in this. Ryan Spann right, right now sitting at eight uh, in the rankings and stuff, and Nikita is sitting at six. So, you know, whoever gets this, you know, I think they're putting themselves right in a position where they you know, could be getting a, a light heavyweight title shot with a big win. You know, big win, it, it could be happening right away. To get the win, you might have one more before you get it. So very important fight. A lot of things to look at as far as you know the, the positioning of all these guys and where they're at. But this is a really outstanding light heavyweight matchup. The co-main. You know, if you're going to look at the co-main event, Andre Muniz has come out there. He has been sensational. This dude has done some stuff. Do me a favor, Dave. Pull up Muniz's record because I just want to show. I think it was two fights ago. And I could be wrong. could be one. But, yeah, two fights ago. Fighting, you know, when he fought Ronaldo Souza, Jacare. Look, he said he was going to submit Jacare. And everyone, including me, said, yeah, I don't think so, dude. That ain't going to happen. Well, he didn't submit him, you know, as far as Jacare tapping out, but he technically submitted. He broke his arm, forcing the referee to stop that fight. That was unbelievable. And right now, you know, you had Eric Anders after that, and Uriah Hall was his last fight. But how many, what's his win streak on right now? He fought Taylor Johnson, who we know well. I know Taylor well. He's an outstanding, tough dude, good wrestler. Beat him in the Dana White Contender Series to get there, but he's on what wins. close to a ten fight? Yeah, nine wins before nine wins, nine fight win streak. That's impressive. That is super impressive right now. And you know he's he's doing like I'm saying when he fought Taylor Johnson is a tough fighter, good fighter. Looking at you know Jacare, Eric Anders, Uriah Hall. He's fighting good competition, and he's he's for the most part most of those are submissions. He got a couple of decision wins in there. But he's in a position right now where, I'll tell you what, he is a scary dude to fight because his submission game is good. His stand-up game is not bad. It's really a question of, wow, you know, where's the fight going to go? Brendan Allen, his opponent, I've, I have a lot of respect for Brendan Allen. I think he's an outstanding fighter and has had you know, some really good fights, especially since he's been it's now Killcliffe is the fight team that he's with it used to be Sanford, but he, uh, you know, since going to Sanford MMA, now kill cliff MMA, he's been pretty much on a tear. He's had, he had one fight where, you know, just didn't perform to his abilities and stuff. But at 20 and five, this is a guy that's got, he's got a good ground game. It's not dynamic in any ways. And I don't think it's, you know, at the level of Andre Muniz's, but his stand up is slick. He's got, good power in his hands he takes a shot to give a shot which a lot of guys don't like doing but he's good with it knowing that you know what i think i have a little more pop on my uh shots and this is going to be a real game changer for both because if i think muniz is on that path he's on the trajectory right now to get towards you know that shot you know to get into that middleweight contention and to possibly have that shot now obviously you've got you know, Alex Pereira and Adesanya, they're sitting at the top right now and they got a rematch coming up. You got guys like Robert Whitaker and stuff. But if you take a look at, you know, where they're at with this, uh, Muniz is at 11 right now. And 
I don't. Even, I don't think. Uh, he's not there. Brennan. I don't think he's even in there. He's not even ranked. So this is a big thing. This could put if if Brennan was able to get the win, that's going to move him into the top fifteen, and. I think you know he's going to have a hard time doing it. I think Muniz right now is a guy who is he's really coming into his own, and you can see when a guy has confidence and the way they fight. And right now, Muniz nine fight win streak, he's got a lot of confidence. It's going to be a it's going to take a tall order for Brendan Allen to get it, but he can. He's got the power to hurt. You know, Muniz. Muniz makes the mistake. He can definitely hurt him. And once he's hurt, you know things doesn't matter how good you are in a specific you know skill set. Once you're hurt, that skill set starts to go down, and uh, it's an interesting matchup. I would think that Andre Muniz is definitely going to be the favorite in it, but great matchup. Love it. Uh, Gusto Sakai versus Dante Mays, heavyweight matchup. Don't really care. There's just, you know, it doesn't mean anything. It's like Sakai, you know, went from Bellator in the UFC. He had a couple of big wins right away, and then he fought, I think he even fought Cyril Gaon and stuff. And you look, and he, he's just had some. Was it Cyril Gaon or Alistair Overeem? One of the two. But he's had some imp, you know, impressive performances and then some pretty lackluster performances. So he's going to have to get more. The Alistair Overeem, there we go. That was, uh, you know, but he came in and he beat like Marcin Tibera, who's a tough dude. You know, he beat Chase Sherman. He beat Andre Arlovsky. He beat freaking uh, Blagoy. You know, and you look and you go, he had a really nice win streak going, and then it's been loss after loss after loss. So he's really, uh, he's up against it. He's going to have to get a win here. Obviously, heavyweights, they tend to hang around a little bit longer because you know, they're rare. And uh, you can have that that losing streak and then come back. But Dante Mays, big guy, good stand-up. Augusto's got good stand-up. We're going to see who's the slicker fighter. The one that I want to talk about, Tatiana Suarez against Montana De La Rosa. This is in the flyweight division, 125 pounds. And I'm super excited to see Tatiana Suarez coming back. Tatiana is a phenomenal wrestler. Great wrestling. Good fighter. Beautiful top positioning. Very heavy when she's on top. Controls well. Uh, Montana De La Rosa, pretty well-rounded. She's good in the stand-up. She's got a, a pretty good ground game. But she does not have the ground game to stay with Suarez. But the real the real difference here is how long has Suarez been gone? Dave, pull up Tatiana Suarez real quick and see her record. She's been out, I want to say, over two years. And so yep. her last fight was a win. And you can take a look at all of them are wins. And against good competition when you're talking about Alexa Grasso, who is now fighting, you know, Shevchenko for the championship. Carla Esparza, who was the champion, Nina Nunez, you know, all of these good, good opponents, but her last fight was almost June years. 8th of 2019. Yeah. Almost. That's a long time. Now she had some health issues and stuff, um, but really glad to see her back. I think this is a, a gonna be a, just the start of something uh, special because she is, she's got it all. And she's got a boyfriend in Patchy Mix that is perfect for her to train with. You talk about amplifying her ground game. Uh, I would tell you that Patchy has one of the best ground games in mixed martial arts. I don't care what weight class. The dude is a stud. And so that's only going to make her ground game better. So 
Tatiana Suarez against Montana De La Rosa. You've got to watch that fight. That's going to be something special. Uh, other than that, I want to say O'Day Osborne against Charles Johnson. That is going to be a pretty slick fight. O'Day got a lot of movement, a lot of slick uh, stuff in his toolbox, but Charles Johnson, super fast, very slick in the stand-up. Flyweights. Yeah, I think they're so fun to watch because they're all over the place and they can do everything. Charles Johnson has been on a run. O'Day, I believe, lost his last fight, but this is a, a really good matchup. We're going to see exactly where Charles Johnson, Charles Johnson is at. And then, other than that, yeah, there's you know some people trying to make a name for themselves in the UFC. Joe Salicki in there against Carl Deaton and stuff like that. Uh, Rafael Alves. Good fighter, tough guy going against Aliyev. Aliyev, very good. He's a stud. That's going to be a tough fight. Alves has got the experience. Aliyev has got the confidence and the belief that nobody can beat him. So that's another good matchup. I think that's the fourth fight of the night. So that will be about what we have to talk about for the UFC fight night, which will be good. But if you want to watch the guy who is the man with the best record in MMA, undefeated at 26-0. and You got a hell of a story here coming with Yaroslav Amosov fighting in Dublin, Ireland against Logan Storley. Yaroslav beat Douglas Lima to win the welterweight title and immediately went to war for his country in the Ukraine. Uh, started fighting you know, in battles against the the invading troops uh, coming from Russia and stuff and uh, put his belt to the side. Actually had his, gave his belt to his mom and she hid it in the house, which got hit. And it shows him actually taking the belt out from the basement area and stuff and finding it. But the, you know, the real intriguing part about this, you know, Yaroslav is everybody, everybody that trains with him at a certain point. You know, there there was a tape. There was a little bit of a tape that came out, and it came out of Yaroslav and Kazmat Chimaev training in Thailand, and that was before um, the whole thing with uh, him fighting in the Ukraine. But it showed it showed the two of them, and you know, a lot of people were like, well, you know, oh, Chimaev got the best of him. I had someone that was there during that whole thing, and they said Yaroslav ate him up for most of it. It was Yaroslav had then gone with somebody else while Chemayev rested and then he came back. And this is taking nothing against Chemayev because I believe Chemayev is fantastic, but it shows how good Yaroslav is in the wrestling for a guy that never wrestled. Chemayev wrestled. You know, he wrestled for uh, Sweden and stuff, but Yaroslav never really had that amateur wrestling background, but this guy can wrestle with anyone. You look at his fight with Ed Ruth, who was a three-time NC2A Division I champion out of Penn State. I mean, one of the best wrestlers there's ever been in the collegiate ranks. And Yaroslav Amazov took him down, took him down multiple times in their fight. And he's got good, clean stand-up. He's got good kicks. His, his movement is is very good. He doesn't over-move. He you know, takes his head off the center line by about an inch and a half to two inches and makes you miss. And that's... That's when you're looking at someone that technically is good. He's got it all. He's got a great submission game. He's got more submissions than he does, you know, uh, knockouts or technical knockouts. So the real question is he has not been fighting now for a couple of years. And Logan Storley has. Logan Storley won the interim championship in beating MVP. 
it was a lackluster fight, but he fought the way that he should have fought to get the title, and that's what it's about. It's about winning. But these guys have already matched up one time before, and it was a phenomenal fight. These guys went at it. And Logan Storley being a guy who comes from South Dakota, six-time, and that's pretty, you, know, you, you listen to that, six-time state wrestling champion. And that's because he was a seventh grader competing against seniors in high school and winning the state championship as a seventh grader, as an eighth grader, ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th. Six years, he won the States, four-time All-American out of the University of Minnesota. And not everybody that comes from the collegiate ranks or even above that, not all of their wrestling translates well into MMA. Logan Storley's translates as well as anybody's. This dude can wrestle. If you want to watch uh, some film clips, take a look at, you know, try to try to get into uh, Kill Cliff's little uh, things that they'll do and take a look at Logan Storley wrestling with someone like Kamara Usman. See who who gets the best of who and how tough one guy has to work to try to stay with someone. Logan Storley is a stud. I love watching him. He's really coming into his own. You're looking at this now 26 and 0 versus 14 and 1 and that one is against the guy with the 26 and 0. So this is a rematch that Logan Storley really wants and it's got the title on the line because his interim belt will, you know, that goes away and we'll see who's going to be the undisputed champion. But this is a hell of a story. You know, probably the one of the best stories in sports right now and it's untold is the story of Amazov and leaving, you know, his the troops in the Ukraine and why? Because they 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 begged him to. All of all of his troops told him, "Hey, we get more motivation by watching you fight and win than we ever get from you being here with us. We, we know that you're here with us. That's, that's in your heart. But you do more for us being away and being fighting and showing people what the Ukrainian heart is all about. I heard that. I go, man, what are you going to say? They said the same thing to Alexander Usyk, who went back to boxing because that's what they wanted from him. So Yaroslav is going to be facing off again Big, big layoff. We'll see if Dominic Cruz is right. Is there such a thing as cage rust or is it or cage corrosion? Or is it, you know, just a fallacy and just part of, you know, some people don't train right and they don't get they don't get themselves back. We're gonna find out. But this is a phenomenal matchup. You need to watch Bellator from Dublin, Ireland. All right. We also have the co main event, and that is Pedro Carvalho against Jeremy Kennedy. Jeremy Kennedy training out of Extreme Couture in Las Vegas. Used to be JBC. I don't know if he's still going, but that, and that goes for Junior Bacon Cheeseburger. Don't ask me why. But he used to eat a lot of Junior Bacon Cheeseburgers. He doesn't eat any of them anymore. He's been on a great diet, and you can tell. He had his last fight against Aaron Pico, and look, he got the win. And there's a lot of people sit there and say, well, no. He went out there. Aaron Pico separated his shoulder. Aaron tried to stay in the fight. Jeremy Kennedy was all over him during that time, and he should have been. He's fighting a one-armed guy, but he did what he was supposed to do, and he went out and he got that win, and he's put himself in a position here as a featherweight. He gets a win here against Carvalho. He's really at that position of he could get a title shot against the champion in Patricio Pitbull. I don't know if it's going to happen, but... That's an interesting matchup. Carvalho, 
uh, normally from Portugal. You know, that's where he grew up, but has moved himself and his family to Ireland. He trains out of the SBG group. John Cavanaugh has been his coach, and he's had a hell of a career since joining SBG. It's really, he's got a lot of good wins. He had the he had a loss, you know, his first loss uh, after switching over to SBG was against Patricio when he fought Patricio in the Featherweight World Grand Prix. So that's really a good matchup. It's going to be interesting. I'm not too sure that Pedro can stop the clinch game and the wrestling of Jeremy Kennedy. The real question is, can he latch on a submission? Can he make him pay for looking for all of those takedowns that Jeremy Kennedy is going to go after? So Peter Queeley going against Bryce Logan. That's going to be a good matchup. Sinead Kavanaugh against Janae Harding in a rematch, a rematch that definitely should have happened. Um, Janae and Sinead had a one-round fight. It was They were just throwing bombs. Sinead got a cut, and the doctor stopped it over the cut. I didn't think it was a bad cut. Sometimes doctors are squeamish about blood. It's really embarrassing. But Sinead Kavanaugh, she'd been uh, really looking good. Coming off of knee surgery, though, she had uh, blew out her knee against uh, Lee McCourt, and, but still got the win. And Janae Harding looking to really put it all together. Back with City, well, I don't know back. Was, never was with City Kickboxing. Janae Harding comes from Auckland, Australia. But uh, did I say Auckland, Australia? Auckland, New Zealand. And then... Moved to Australia where she's, you know, done all of her training and stuff. But now she's back in New Zealand and she's with City Kickboxing. So Eugene Berriman is going to be her coach and supposedly has done some great things with her. Because stand-up-wise, Janae Harding's slick, man. She's she's technical. She's long. She's got power. But Sinead Kavanaugh is going to come hunting her down. So she's got to put her shots on the target to make her pay every time she comes in. Kieran Clark, featherweight matchup against Leonardo Sinise. Sinius is a guy from Greece, super tough, does not quit. Clark is a definite submission monster. This is a guy who has an amateur, probably had an amateur career, had a lot of amateur fights. Close to 25, I would say, amateur fights. Yeah, probably you know, 13 wins, 12 losses. I don't know, maybe it was a little bit less than that, but he uh, has really turned it on since turning pro. And this sometimes this is what you like to see with guys Get rid of all the mistakes in the amateur ranks. Come into the pros and start putting it on. And he's 6-0 and right now, looking good. Brian Moore is a fight you need to watch. Brian Moore, not Carl Moore, but Carl Moore is a good, good matchup too. But Brian Moore is the guy that I call the Irish Canelo. He is a slick stand-up fighter. Got a beautiful left hook to the body that he uses all the time going up against Luca Ovine. And uh, that's going to be a good matchup too. Mike Shipman against Charlie Ward. And the comeback of Norbert Navigny Jr. Norbert's dad was an Olympic gold medalist. And Norbert is 5-0 and in MMA, but had some serious knee injuries and problems. But he's going up against Andy Manzolo, who very tough, got a lot of experience. Uh, over 35 fights or so going up against the 5-0 and Norbert Navigny. But that should be a really good uh, matchup. So that'll be Bellator from Dublin, Ireland. That is on Saturday night. You can watch it, I believe, on Showtime. Next, what do we got, Dave? Yeah, so uh, there is a one card this weekend as well. So I figured I'd just show you the card. I think the main event is going to be um, one that people might recognize, at least John Lineker. And then, um, John Lineker, yeah. yeah so but he's, you, tell you what, Fabricio Andrade. And, uh, man, 
Fabricio in the stand-up, he's going to give Lineker problems. Lineker's got power. Fabricio's got techni technical skills. Very slick. Um, but I don't know that he can overcome all the experience of John Lineker. You know, John's been in there a long time, and he's tough as hell. And he's got power. No matter what, he can hurt you with one shot and stuff. But that's a good matchup. Who else do they have on that card? Martin Wynn against Shaduliev. That's a good matchup. I've seen Razhab Shaduliev fight before. He's really good. Uh, very calm, very composed. That should be a really uh, tough fight. I don't know the other people. Linda Darrow against Victoria Souza. Never seen either one of them fight. So let's move on from there. But Lineker and Andrade, that's a hell of a fight. That's a good one. And then we also have a big boxing fight this weekend. And oh, like do we? On What's a big one? What do you consider big? Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, that's big, but that's May 20th, right? <laughs> sure is. <laughs> one, of the, one at the top here is Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, like, I'm not going to. That's in Saudi Arabia, too, where there's been some, you know, there's been some crazy boxing matches taking place in Saudi Arabia. But look, I, I look at this and, you know, I, I've seen a lot of. I've watched Tommy Fury fight. He can fight, you know. He makes a lot of mistakes. Jake doesn't make near as many mistakes as Tommy makes, and that might be the difference in this fight. Uh, I think that Tommy Fury, when someone starts hitting him hard, you take a look at the guys that he's fought, and I've watched him in his fights. He hasn't fought anybody that's been able to put him in any kind of real problem. And he'll even back off on a shot that you look and you go, that wasn't that bad, and all of a sudden he's, He's, he's moving and he's gaining space. And I'm not saying anything bad about that. It's just, you know, it could be his training and saying, hey, when you get, you know, a little bit of, you know, a hard shot, you get stung a little bit, just move. I want you to move out, circle back, come back in. So it could be just part of his training. But Jake Paul's got, you know, we've seen, he's got a good right hand, man. And he can hit. He's got a good left hand. It's, you know, it's not far behind. It's just that he normally does his damage with that right hand and stuff. So I just look at it. It's a pay-per-view. Yeah, I don't know who's paying for that one. <laughs> have fun with it i don't know if the who's gonna be uh getting a lot of money on that one but i would say jake paul is definitely gonna beat tommy fury well, well let's oh, move on to the now march 25th hold on you're gonna go there coming up you got david benavidez against caleb plant super middleweight championship that's gonna be a good fight we gotta get we gotta do some talking about that one when it's coming up it's too far away right now but on March 25th, that is going to be a hell of a fight. Well, speaking of hell of a fights, um, Aljo's talking about on his YouTube channel that this um, his fight against Cejudo has been slated for a UFC 288 in May. You know, I think that I've, I've heard so much talk about, oh, this is, you know, this is not a, you know, it's it does nothing for Aljamain if he beats Cejudo. And I'm like, you're fucking crazy. Yeah, absolutely nuts. First off, Henry Cejudo is a stud. He's a two-division champion in the UFC. This guy's a gold medalist out of the Olympics. And yeah, he retired. And now he's back. And if Al Jermaine gets the first crack at him, I think if you're going to get a crack at him, that's the time to get it. So Al Jermaine's being smart. Let me get you know get into him before he gets you know, back on a roll or anything like that. You want a shot at the title? I'm the guy you got to come through. I think it's a good fight for both. 
you know, you, they both have aspects. Al Jermaine has, you know, generally, normally, usually, he controls his fights through his grappling. He's not going to have an easy time just using wrestling to get Cejudo down. That ain't going to happen. He's got to hurt Cejudo in the stand-up, either with body shots or, you know, shots to the head that are, that are uh, doing damage to him. But he's got to, you know, use his stand-up to get to the point where his grappling can take effect. Obviously, once it gets into the submission game, he's fantastic with his submissions and, you know, probably better than, you know, Henry in that area by far. But trying to hold on to someone that's got Henry's grappling experience and the wrestling has is not easy to do. So this is a tough fight, but I think it does a lot for Al Jermaine if he gets a win here. You're beating a guy, you know, they call him Triple C, you know, triple champion being Olympic in two divisions, you know, both the flyweight and the bantamweight in the UFC. How could this not be something that, you know, you put on your mantle, something that, you know, says something about how good you are? I think this is the right fight. I think it's the right fight for Henry Cejudo to come back on because being the fact that he was a two-division champion, he walked away from the title, you know, and retired for a while, and now he's coming back. I think he deserves the shot at the title to get his title back because he's the one that laid it down. And I think it's a great, you know, opportunity for Aljamain Sterling to get his shot at a guy that, you know, is got all the tools and all the knowledge necessary to regain that title. He's there to prove, well, you know what? Times have, have passed you by and I'm, I'm here to prove it. So great. Fantastic. I hope, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to see that as the main event of 288. That's a great main event. And then continuing the trend of fights being reported and or announced Paul Daly making his boxing debut against, um, <laughs> former MMA fighter Marcus Perez uh, who holds a record of 13 and 6 in MMA. Yeah, you know Paul Paul Daly cannot stay away from fighting. <laughs> I mean, Paul is you know Paul Paul retired from MMA but that doesn't mean you're retiring from uh the world of combat sports and this is a guy he was born to be a fighter. I I really enjoy Paul Daly. He's had his moments where I look at him and go Paul, what are you doing? You know, but overall Man, he is a fighter to the core. He's got just beautiful um, stand-up as far as the power that he has. He he threw the best left hook I ever saw. I've ever seen out of an MMA fighter. Him and the guy I talked about earlier, Brian Moore, throws a beautiful left hook to the body. But Paul Daly will throw it to the body. He'll throw it and he sets it up beautifully. And it's you just look at the balance and the footwork. And the way that he brings that left hook, it's a thing of beauty. It's artwork. And to be able to see it in a boxing ring, that's awesome. Uh, his his opponent is uh, is going to have to be a tough man because he's up against a guy that has bombs in his hands. That's why he's called Semtex. Semtex is, is a lot more explosive than dynamite. So Paul Daly has got a very good chance of beating a any MMA fighter when it comes to a boxing match, look out, Paul Daly's going to be a uh, trouble for you. So that's that's an interesting. I wonder what weight it's at, though. Does it say what uh, weight it's see at? If it specifies. Um, I'm coming in. Has also been stacking up. It was announced. Paul Daly, 
professional boxing and debut. This is on that game bread card that's got Roy Jones Jr. against uh, Pettis and uh, mm -hmm. Aldo against Jeremy Stevens. Yeah. Pettis card. And I got to watch Pettis. that card, man. Doesn't say what, it, what weight. Yeah, Daly hmm. will face off in the boxing match. Um, yeah, it doesn't, uh, doesn't say. Doesn't oh, that one's got Vitor Belfort against Jacare, too. <laughs> um, the guy be putting okay, some so money out. There's some names in there. They just don't yeah. fight for free. Yep, this is it's a good card, um, and it's all boxing as well. So yeah. All right, we last one here for fight talk is Pimblet versus Dober. Um, same card as Suhudo and Sterling. Uh, so that'll be me. That would be for two eighty eight. Yeah, I tell you what. I don't think Pimblet takes this fight. I just don't think he takes it. Uh, Drew Dober is really calm. You know, he's grown in the UFC. You know, when he came when he came into the UFC, he he was lacking in some areas and stuff. And uh, man, he's he's just made himself into a durable. He's always had you know heavy power, good leg kicks and everything. He's got big legs on him and stuff, and he was always. You know, you looked at the weight classes he was trying to fight in. He was trying to drop too much weight at times. And now at lightweight, he has really come into his own. You know, his last fight against uh, Bobby Green says everything. Because he was getting, he's getting pieced up by Bobby Green. And he's, you know, in the corner, they told him, hey, you cannot allow this guy to control the distance. You've got to crush that space. And he went out and did exactly what he was supposed to do. Which means you're going to get hit which means you're putting yourself into the danger zone and he can put himself there. He can take a shot. He's got a freaking granite chin and he's got power in those hands. So I look at this and Patty for the most part does well with guys that are trying to grapple with him and he's better in the standup. He ain't going to be better in the standup in this fight. He is. He doesn't have, no matter what people think as far as power, he doesn't have the same power as Dober. And Dober, with his experience stuff, I, I'll take Drew Dober all day long over Patty Pillman in that fight. I don't think Patty takes it. All right. Well, last thing I do want to get your thoughts on before we pass this thing over to Josh is uh, Bo Nickel talking about um, helping Jake Paul train for MMA. What do you think about that pairing? Yeah, it, it, it's it's good and it's also not bad, but surprising in some ways. I, I think it's great that Bo Nickel uh, is going to be working with Jake Paul. That's awesome because he's Jake comes from a wrestling. He did wrestling in high school, so he's got some wrestling background. Obviously, nowhere near the caliber of a Bo Nickel, but. He needs to, you know, be able to work on his submission game and change up. And this is where the wrestling and the submission part, Bo Nickel can really help him with. Where I don't think Bo Nickel is going to be able to help him that much with is he's got to change his stand-up from the way he boxes. He's going to have to stand a little bit different, do things different, and understand that, you know, I can get hit in different areas that I couldn't get hit before in boxing. So I've got to change my stand-up. And, and right now... I'm not saying that Bo Nickel doesn't know that. He knows that. He knows how to work with him. But he's going to definitely need a stand-up coach from MMA to really help him change because you get used to something and it's what you do. 
you automatically start to revert back to it. And you need a coach that's always there saying, stop. No, you need to do that. You know, step it back. This is what I need you to do. And I'm not sure that, you know, maybe Bo is that guy. I don't know. Um, but it's tough when you like somebody and you're, you know, you're going to help them and stuff. And so now we're kind of friends and stuff. After a while, it's like, yeah, good job. Yeah, good job. You can't do that. Jake Paul is going to need help uh, in transferring his stand-up over to MMA stand-up. I do believe, you know, obviously Bo Nickel can definitely help him in any wrestling situation. He can definitely help him in submissions. He's got submissions. So, you know, Bo Nickel has not been just wrestling for the last couple of years. He's been doing MMA. This is why, and we talked about it, you know, on a prior show, Dan Lambert, who owns ATT, opened up an affiliate school right there at College Station because of that guy, Bo Nickel. Well, he was the one that instigated He's the one that started it, and that's going to help Dan get all these wrestlers from Penn State that want to come over into MMA. They're going to be going to ATT, and that's why ATT is one of the top teams there is. And I think it's great that if Jake is going to uh, be part of that, I think it's smart, but he definitely needs to also get into you know some training sessions with some of the coaches from ATT. They've got phenomenal could Mike Brown is as good as it gets. Mo Lal is a goddamn walking encyclopedia who could really help Jake Paul with his stand up. Even though he comes from a pure wrestling background, Jake Mo Lal really understands the stand up. He's a damn encyclopedia when it comes to things. So there's guys there. Even you know Marcus Conan, he is a silver he has been just fantastic with guys. The coaching at AT&T you know, second to none. Been fantastic. So good luck with him. All right. Well, uh, let's hand this thing over to Josh. Anything else you want to throw in? Otherwise, we'll get this. Yeah, thing to everyone out there, man. I hope you like the, the quick the quick review we did of all this stuff. There are some good fights to watch, so make sure that you tune in to the UFC on Saturday night with that Ryan Spann fight. That's going to be a hell of a fight. Him and, and Nikita Krylov. And then Make sure you do not miss the fight that's actually, you know, the amazing one, 26-0 against 14-1. Yaroslav Amazov against Logan the Storm Storley. That's going to be a fantastic one. So for everyone out there, check out my man Josh Thompson because I am out. I will see you. Well, okay, okay, okay. Guess what? It is me by myself. I'm in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, visiting some family, getting some ski slopes in, and Big John doing what Big John does, handing off to the legend, Josh Thompson. That's right. You guys heard it. Josh Thompson. I look, I'm having some fun with you guys right now. But uh, Big John, man, Big John killed it. I was able to listen to some of his show before we actually got done with this one. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of rebuttals to do. Obviously, I'm going to just call him out on all the nonsense because he's not here to actually beat me up and face me. So I'm going to just have some fun with this today. Look, it is freezing. It was 10 degrees when I walked outside. I walked inside from outside tonight. And uh, we're filming late tonight. What, what, Dave, what is this? It is on a Tuesday night. We're about, what, 9.30, almost 10 o'clock at night right now. Yep. Which means for you, it's like almost midnight, right? Yep. Sure yes. Is. See, podcast, people don't realize the dedication that Podcast Dave gives us. <laughs> and I, I hate to toot this guy's horn, man, but he is, he, he's a go-getter, man. He's actually out here hustling every single day, getting the work in, doing the job. And you know what? Gotta love my boy right here, Podcast Dave. He's been with my little trusty sidekick for the longest time. I don't know if I call you a psychic anymore, man. You're like my boy now. You're, we're boys, boys. Well, you know. Well, you I'm know. Doing my best. <laughs> 
All right. But hey, we got a lot to talk about because there's a lot going on right now. It's freezing outside. I got some good slopes. I got some skiing in today. It's beautiful up here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. It's dropped a lot of snow today. Right now, it's currently dropping some snow. And uh, you know what? Guess what, though? Before we get started, go to WayneInMerch.com. Pick up some of our hoodies. Pick up uh, some of our hats. We got some good stuff coming up. We got some new designs out there. But before we even get started on all of that, I got to talk to you about our partnership that we have with OnlyFans. Now, I know, I know. Look, everyone wants to come at me and say, hey, what are you guys, are you and Big John going to show your belly buttons? What are you guys going to do? You know, all of these things. But we're just out here having some fun. We worked a deal with the executives of OnlyFans because they have started a whole new sports, uh, sports department. And in that sports department, they've signed fighters like Charles Oliveira. Yeah, I said it. Charles Oliveira. See, Brent Primus from Bellator, who is now in the lightweight World Grand Prix for Bellator. He is fighting uh, Monsieur Barnaoui. That is going to be a fantastic fight. That is happening in Paris. And then, you know what? They also have people like Chris Cyborg. They've got Luke Rockhold. I mean, Luke Rockhold, I, I get why, man. He's a sexy son of a gun. So I understand why they signed him. But, uh, yeah, they, they've got some fighters on their roster. They're working with Formula One Racing. They're working um, – they just did BKFC. They just sponsored BKFC, which obviously sponsors, you know, Bare Knuckle Fighting. And they just had a great event, this last event. And John and I just covered that on our last show. So if you guys have an opportunity to check that out, check that out. That was on our last show. Great event. A little bit of controversy going on with the Diego fight. I don't know if it would have changed the outcome, but I got a lot of love for Diego. So Diego, um, <clears throat> Diego has the right to complain. About uh, the Vaseline on the neck, Vaseline on the, you know, all over the face, not only just the face, but on the chin, on the top of the head. I mean, he basically gave him a full body massage with the Vaseline in that corner. So and Big John let him know how he felt about that in the last show. So I want you guys check that out on our last show. But uh, OnlyFans, we're working with OnlyFans right now to really kind of change the dynamic of what they are doing. And look, and I understand there's going to be... They're going to still keep that department of what they do. But what we're doing, though, is we're talking about the athletes and what they're bringing to the table to OnlyFans. They're bringing techniques. They're bringing their lifestyles. They're letting fans get more involved in whatever it is they're doing in their life. So for us, for example, we are the very first podcast that OnlyFans ever worked with. And they're the first, we're the first podcast they've ever decided to do a deal with. And so they are hoping that we will help them change the dynamic and bring in that age bracket of what we are for sports, for MMA, where we've talked MMA, we've talked bare knuckle fighting, we've talked boxing. They're hoping that we bring in the dynamic of that 18, 19 to 38, 39 year old uh, male that really is a, tr- is, is, uh, someone who goes after the, the MMA world, the boxing world, the combat sports world, along with all the other sports, not just those, but NASCAR, Formula One, uh, all of these type of, uh, sports that they are looking to try to, to uh, create, to develop or be part of in their new sports department, which John and I are basically uh, that lead examples for that. So we're hoping you guys will support us. Go to our OnlyFans. What is it? What is it, David? It is OnlyFans.com slash weighing in. Yep, OnlyFans.com slash weighing in. So make sure you guys go there, check it out. Um, you know, our page is free. Make sure you guys check it all out. We'll have some new content. Up. Dave did a great little uh, intro there when we first did it. And uh, it was basically our whole behind the scenes uh, for the CBS show, the Bellator CBS show. So check it all out there. But uh, let's roll ahead. Let's go ahead and roll right into the UFC. We're going to go right into that. So you got Nikita Krylov versus Ryan Spann. Dave, why don't you give me some feedback on what on what Big John said? Because I'm going to give a little bit of rebuttal to whatever it is. Go ahead. Tell me what Big John said during this fight. Uh, I think Big John was talk <laughs> talk mostly about Ryan Spann's whole deal where he uh, he said he didn't didn't train for a fight. 
Um, and so that was kind of the what I remember for the most part is like Big John was saying, yeah. Um, you know, for this one you gotta be you gotta be ready. No, yeah, Ryan Spann's definitely got to be ready. But I also believe that look, it only takes a fight like that though in his last performance. For people to start realizing that he could be something. And John and I talked about it on, our, uh, on the show the, after his last fight. We said, if this is what you're going to look like after every time you train for a fight, we should expect big things from you every single time. When you don't perform, though, at that level, then we start to question your your ability to want to get after it, your ability to want to train. Your commitment to the sport is really what we start questioning if we don't see that Ryan span every single time. So in this fight, though, he needs to, it John, and it sounds like John said the same thing, he needs to basically get after it. He needs to go out there, impose his will, he needs to stand his ground, let the speed and let his power speak for itself. But that only works if you're confident in your abilities to get it done within that first two rounds. If you're not, if you're not training, you need to be able to get it done within that first round if you're not training. But if you can, if you have been training, you know you put the work in, you're fine with whatever happens in that fight going in through rounds one, rounds two, rounds three. Nikita Krylov is someone who can do it everywhere. Obviously, uh, he's good on the feet, dynamic on the feet. Uh, he's got some good top game. He's very crafty. I look at I look at Ryan Spann as someone that if we see the development of him, if we see him in terms of he is someone that is focused on the person in front of him, that last fight that he had, it catapulted him into this position to where he's only, I would say, to be honest, because of the division, in the light heavyweight division, he's only one with a good win over, over Nikita Krylov. One good win away from potentially getting into that title shot. If he beats Krylov, and then after that, he ends up, let's go ahead and scroll. Let me see what you got there. You've got, it's a little blurry, and I know it's not my glasses. I know it's the uh, the shared link. But who else? You have Ankalaev. You got uh, Yuri Pacheska, who is basically just, you know, basically trying to heal up. So he'll be out for a while. You got Jan Blachowicz. And uh, who's number who's number four? Uh, Rakic. Oh, Rakic. But Rakic's coming off an injury, so I don't know when he'll be back. But re- realistically, in that position there, I would like to see him either fight Ankalaev or Blahovich next. He's going to have to get this big win if Ryan Spann gets this win. And then you've got Krylov. Krylov's at number six with a win over Spann. I don't know if it does a whole lot for him unless he has a very impressive win. But I don't see him. I can see him potentially jump, uh, jumping uh, Rakic. I don't see him jumping uh, Blahovich. I don't see him jumping uh, um, Ankolaev. And I definitely don't see him jumping Yuri. Not as of right now. Yuri will stay there, I believe, because he forfeited the title. He gave the title up. They're going to give him the full 15 months of inactivity to probably keep that position until somebody ends up winning the interim title. Then that person will probably jump up into that number one position and he'll only drop down or probably maybe two or three, depending on uh, where they're at in the stage of his recovery. So I look at this fight is it's Ryan spans. Um, it's his position to take over on Krylov, but he's got to have a dominant performance. He can't just go out there and expect to get, you know, a decision. He's got to make it look impressive. I know he can win by making it look impressive and still going the distance because Krylov is tough. But I look at I look at Ryan Spann as I look at him being the better athlete. I look at him having the bigger punching power. I look at him having the better athleticism. I look at all of those things, and he just got to go out there and perform. He's got to have had to put the work in like he talked about. And if he has done that, 
I believe that he can get the fight done. Krylov is just nasty and good all the way around, but I can see that he does not always fight the safest. He doesn't always fight, um, he doesn't always fight like, he doesn't always fight the smartest fight. He's someone that will just get after it and he'll leave himself out there to hang if he, if he doesn't have the power or the ability to get that person out of there. So I'm looking at this fight. I think it's going to be a fantastic fight. Um, but I, I look at Ryan Spann. If everything that he has said is true, and he's never trained really for fights before, and he did his last fight, and those are the type of performances we should expect to get from him, I look for him to be able to get a, a pretty good convincing win to catapult him into that number five, that number six, whatever that position is uh, for him. But he's got he's got a ways to go a little bit with this win, and then on top of that, with this win, I mean, like I said, there's not a lot of guys for him to beat after that. There'll be one more fight after that and look for him to fight for the title next. So he's not far off with a big win over uh, Nikita Krylov. Next fight there, Dave. All right, Coleman there. Andre Muniz versus mm-hmm. Brendan Allen. Ooh, good fight, good fight. But I mean, like, uh, Brendan Allen, he is somebody who, I mean, he really is just nasty on the feet. He's good all the way around. But he is someone that just really needs to make sure that he keeps his chin tucked, fights composed, and he's just got to go out there and try to impose his will. But he can't be careless with his decision. He's got to make sure that he stays tight with the stand-up, uh, stuffs the takedowns, and just try to just try to get after him. That's all he's got to do. If he fights a very patient, steady fight, he could potentially get this win. But Andre Muniz is tough, man. Someone who's just grimy and he's, I want to say dirty, but he's just a grimy fighter. Someone that is is fantastic all the way around. Look for him to just stay tight with his defense. Look for him to just let his stand-up go and try to maybe potentially threaten those takedowns against Brendan Allen. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I can't Brendan see Brendan Allen, yep. Yeah, Brendan Allen. What's up? I can't, I can't see it. That's why. Uh, but, yeah, look for him to really try. It doesn't look like Brendan Allen, buddy. It's Brendan Allen. Okay. Sorry, that's yeah. what I said. It doesn't look like it. <clears throat> uh, but look for him to really try to stuff – you know, to try to potentially threaten a couple takedowns to keep Brendan Allen thinking and guessing on the feet, and then that'll be that'll be even better for him. And then we will go. Who is next? So we got Augusto Sakai and Dante oh, Mays. Yep. Go back. Go. Can, don't and move them. Do you want me to zoom in up. there and see if that? There you go. There you go. That's what I'm looking for. There okay. you are. Yeah, because what it was showing, like, yeah, see, it's super clear right now. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so I look, I look at this and then I look at Augusta Sakai, obviously super good on the feet, someone who can just get, get after it on the feet. And then you've got, uh, Mays, like just overall, Sakai should be able to try and sprawl and brawl, keep this thing on the feet and get after it. But you got Mays with big power. He's very aggressive, can come forward, but Sakai's just got to be very calm, composed. Don't leave himself out of position to where he puts himself on his back. On his back, he's not the same type of fighter. So he's got to make sure that he just stays tight. With his defense, making sure that he's always aware of any type of takedown threats and keeps his fight on the feet. Now, I, I look at I look at the next fight that I want to talk about though is obviously the person who's been out for a long time. You got Tatiana Suarez, you got uh De La Rosa. That fight right there to me, fantastic fight. Absolutely fantastic fight. And what makes this to me so fantastic is De La Rosa is fantastic. <clears throat> She's a great fighter. But Tatiana Suarez has been training with one of the best Bantamweights in the world, which I believe is her boyfriend, which is Patchy Mix. And the two of them, 
have been working together, training together, helping each other with whether it's diet, whether it's nutrition, whether it's grappling, whether it's game planning, whatever it is. They have found a unity in the sport. The two of them have really, I feel like, gotten better between each other. Tatiana Suarez, I believe, is 8-0. She is someone who is not to be threatened with or messed with on the ground. She's a fantastic fighter. She's good. So she's got good stand-up, enough to deal with uh, De La Rosa on the feet. And I look, at, I look for her to really try to capitalize. Uh, I look for Suarez to try to capitalize on exactly how uh, the Jake Shields kind of like program works. What they're going to do is try to get takedowns. If they can't get the takedowns, they'll probably pull to a guard into a front headlock or, or a guillotine-type sweep, hit the ground, and try to hook sweep you from there, get to the top position, and dominate the top position. If she's not able to do that, <clears throat> then I look for her to for her to get on that front headlock, try to head snap down, try to circle around, get to the back. All of those things I think Tatiana Suarez has been able to work with Nonstop and patchy mix, the two of them make for a perfect dynamic in just making each other better on the ground. I think uh, De La Rosa is good. I think mean, she's a fantastic fighter. Okay, but I also look at her and I think to myself, there's holes in the game. She's uh, she's talented. She's good. But I think Tatiana Suarez on the ground, being an eight no, not ever tasting defeat, understanding what it's like to dominate a- another fighter, understanding what it's like to to work amongst some of the best males, you know, in that, in that way, around that weight class. I mean, you got patchy mix. You've had other fighters that are, I mean, in terms of at the gyms, I mean, you've got Aljo, you've got, you know, other fighters that are there that have worked around all of those fighters in that weight class, say like 125, 115, 125, 135, all around that. But Tatiana Suarez is going to be someone to reckon with. I mean, she's got a lot. I think that, that energy, I've said this before, when you go away from fighting, and that motivation to get back and knowing that with her, she's undefeated, knowing that is she undefeated eight and one or is she eight? No, she's eight. No. Eight and oh. Yeah. So her coming back, there's that hunger in somebody who understands that, man, I was good when I left. Now I've had time to spend on making myself better. And the fact that she can do that and she was able to work on that and she was able to make herself better by working with someone that she's close with and getting better working with Jake Shields working with Patchy Mix two of the best grapplers ever to get into a cage you say i say that and then making herself better and to fight someone coming back like De La Rosa i think i think there's that motivation that hunger that that um a that feeling of, man, I can't wait to get back in there. She's going to have a little bit of a hard time, I think, in that first probably two and a half, three minutes with the fight speed because that's not something you can you can adjust to. You can't, That's not something you can work out in practice because in practice, you're wearing 16-ounce gloves. In practice, you're wearing shin guards. In practice, you're wearing elbow pads. You're wearing knee pads. You know, you're fully geared up. The speed is not the same. The way you hide your combination is not the same because you got to lug all that that equipment around. Uh, that you realize the impact of the punches and the kicks and the knees. They're not the same because of all the padding. So you can't really mimic fight speed, fight pace, um, you know, in, in the fight and while you're training. So I think in that first two and a half, three minutes, maybe even the whole first round, she might have a hard time with De La Rosa. But I also look at Tatiana Suarez being able to deal with some of the best uh, grapplers in the in the world right now and their men, and then learning from them and making some adjustments, making some tweaks, all of those things. I look for her to come out and that hunger inside of her, look for her to really try to 
trying to take over in this fight probably by the end of by the end of round one and then moving on into round two and three. Uh, next fight. I can't see. Something's going on with the screen and then bubbling out. Oh, okay. Um, so we've there got... Was a, the other fight I want to talk about, I can't see it right now, but it was Levitt. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Jordan Levitt's fighting Victor Martinez. Okay. Oh, there got it is. Got it back there. There it is. There it is. Yeah, there's... Look, I'm not going to talk about this whole card. I'm going to talk about a couple of the fights on here that are moving on from the from the main card. But Jordan Levitt, go coming back um, after his loss. I believe his last fight was to uh, to uh, to Patty, right? Mm-hmm. Was that his last fight? Uh, yep, I sure so. was. Yeah, I think it was. Yep. Yeah. So when I look at that, right? Like, look, look, he's somebody that kind of, in a weird way, kind of interests me because with Victor Martinez, he's tough, he's aggressive, he's someone that will come forward. But with Jordan Levitt, he is someone that sure he'll come forward, but he makes a ton of mistakes. He leaves himself open. He's a phenomenal grappler. I, despite all the twerking and all the other shit he does. Okay. But I mean, I know Dave likes the twerking part, but with Jordan, right? Like he's somebody that he will give up position to get a position. He will leave himself out of position in hopes that he can gain a position. That's not always the best game plan, but what that does make, it makes for a really good fight. It makes for a really good fight. I look for Victor Martinez to just sprawl and brawl, keep this fight on the feet. Get to the if he does get taken down, try to get to the top position, do some work, and then back out. Keep this fight back on the feet. Where Jordan Levitt lacks, and everyone knows this, is on the feet. He lacks the power. He lacks uh, the technique. He lacks, but he doesn't lack creativity. He's very creative on the feet, even though it's very ugly looking. Even though it's not the most uh, technical on the feet, he does have some ability to get things done on the feet but it all leads to him trying to get the takedown it all leads to him trying to get to the submission it all leads to him getting to that dominant position controlling position making you make a mistake until he could potentially get the submission um let's go ahead and scroll down a little bit joe selecki got a good fight uh Rafael aves let me see where else are we at oh that's pretty much the whole card right there huh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> all right not not a very how many fights are on this card 10 it looks like 13 Oh, wow. Okay. 13. 13 fights. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Well, hey, that's going to wrap up our UFC talk. You know, like this, this is the common, this is the common ground. After they have a, a good pay per view, they'll give you two, one for sure, one, sometimes two, not so great cards. And that's what we're kind of getting. But, and I've said this before, and I'll continue to say this on this card, that look for these younger fighters or look for these fighters that are not getting the recognition and the notoriety that they feel like they deserve. For one, for one of them or two of them to really try to make a standout position. Look for them to really try to set their name apart from everybody else on that card. And that's when they get the chance to make that 50,000. That 50 G's, baby. That's when they get the chance to do that. Is when they don't have other big-time stars on the card, then it makes it easier for Dana White to give them that 50 G's. And that, that's, that's a good time and a great opportunity for them to make a little extra cash and also to... For the hardcore fans that are watching, for them to start saying to themselves, hey, that's a kid that I got to watch out for. That's a person that I'm looking to to see fight next. So, and I got to be honest because uh, Aaron Blanchfield, I wasn't totally high on her after her, you know, before her previous fights. Then her fight last weekend, that was now all of a sudden, that was that switch that I said, hey, that's somebody next time she fights, I'm going to make sure that I tune in. That it was that one fight. And I know I like Jessica Andrade. I like her a lot. But there was a lot that I went in. I was like, man, just going to walk through her. 
Jessica's going to outpower her. Just going to bully her around the cage. She's going to let her know who the boss is. And damn, was I wrong. I was wrong. Not very often will you hear me admit that because but Big John's not here today. So I feel confident in going ahead and saying that because I know he won't hold it against me. But I didn't, I'm just being honest, man. That was a fight when I said Aaron Blanchfield's going to get bullied. She's going to push her around the cage. She's going to get dominated by Jessica Andrade. Damn, I was wrong. Aaron Blanchfield fought a fantastic fight. And this card, you should have looked to, you should kind of pay attention to the UFC card and see who exactly it is on that card that stood out to you and who is and, and, and who you want to potentially watch moving forward. So that's a good card to, to, to take a look at. All right. Well, hey, let's, get, let's go ahead and move right into our Bellator talk. And this is a huge fight for me. This is a big time fight. It's happened in Dublin, Ireland. And if you guys don't realize, Yaroslav Amosov with the best record in all of MMA right now, 26-0. He's the welterweight champion for Bellator. Uh, Logan Storley, 14-1. His only loss is to this man right here, Yaroslav Amosov, in a split decision three-round fight that was back and forth battle on the ground, on the feet. Submission escapes by both fighters. And then just at the end, both of them couldn't afford to lose any more uh, energy. And they decided to stop trying to get takedowns and started the bang. It was a great fight, man. It really was. And I've said this before. It really was like two ferrets getting after it on the ground, just rolling around, mixing it up. Submission attempts after submission attempts. Yaroslav Amosov almost caught Logan Storley. I believe it was in the middle of the second round with the Darce choke. Uh, Logan Storley was able to get out. <clears throat> and then I believe early in the third round is when Logan Storley almost caught Yaroslav Amosov with the rear naked choke. They were back and forth in so many different ways. Now, what makes this so impressive to me was what makes it so impressive to me was that Yaroslav Amosov has never really wrestled in his life. But if you go back and you look at some of his fights, he was able to take down three-time national champ out of Penn State, Ed Ruth. He was able to take down um, uh, Logan Storley, I believe, once or twice in that fight. He was able to stuff takedowns, get reversals on takedowns against Logan Storley. Logan Storley is a six-time state champ out of South Dakota. He's a four-time All-American out of the University of Minnesota. And I said this last week on our last show, is that Logan Storley, if you don't think that he's a good wrestler, or you don't believe in his credentials, or you don't know much about him, what you need to do is you need to hit up Kamaru Usman. You need to hit up anyone out of Kill Cliff Gym and say, hey, how good of a wrestler is Logan Storley? I mean, I'm going to let them say it. I'm, I mean, I don't need to continue to say it. This guy is one of the best wrestlers in the sport, if not the best wrestler in the sport. He can mix it up. He can hit you from any different way. He'll hit high crotch. He'll hit double legs. He'll hit the snatch single, switch to the flare. He'll drive you to the fence. He'll lift and slam. He'll scoop your legs out. He'll hit you. He'll hit a low ankle, uh, low ankle, uh, ankle pick. He'll do whatever it takes to get that takedown. This kid is a winner through and through. Like I said, his only loss. I believe what what's their records together? 30 and 1. 30 and 1 between the two of them. That's fantastic, man. These two guys, they are winners through and through. Look, I'm gonna lean right now. Yaroslav Amosov, he's from Ukraine. He, you know, he was he went away to to the U, to Ukraine to defend his country in his hometown. There's video of him all around the internet right now that went viral of him pulling his his uh, world championship belt out of his mother's um, basement after her house had been destroyed. And his countrymen were telling him, you need to go back. You need to go back and fight for us. You have to go back and defend your belt for us. 
the same thing with Usyk when they said when they said that about Usyk, him going back to box was because they they have to go back and and defend their title. They have to bring more recognition to the Ukraine by doing what they're doing um, for the greater good. They really believe by more people hearing about their accolades of being winners of of Yaroslav Amosov being potentially going to twenty seven and zero, potentially catching Habib in his in his race to his championship of being twenty nine and zero. There's that chance and that opportunity, but Logan Storley out of the whole division is the one that I really believe. And there's Jason Jackson. Jason Jackson's right there as well. And there's another guy that's making his comeback in Joey Davis, the four-time national champ, Division II wrestler, undefeated his whole career. He's now making his comeback in the in the welterweight division. He was a welterweight when he left. I believe he's six or seven and zero when he left. He's now coming back. I believe after two two and a half years. He is another guy that really, I believe, is going to give Logan Storley a, a tough go, and he's going to give Yaroslav Amosov a tough go. He's fast. He's dynamic, explosive. But in this fight between these two, Logan Storley is the guy who has had several fights since they fought last, and Yaroslav Amosov's fight was his last fight, was, I believe, against Douglas Lima, and he hasn't fought since. Can you look up Yaroslav Amosov's last fight? I believe it was yeah, against Douglas yeah. Lima. Yeah, it was Douglas Lima in 2021, yeah. June 21, so almost yeah. two years. So when he fought Logan Storley, when was that? That was in 2020, November of November 12th of 2020. And then he went on to he went on to win the title his next fight against Douglas Lima, and it was a very dominant mm. performance, dominant, dominant performance, dominated from top to bottom. There wasn't one second of one round of that fight that he lost. He dominated every single second, every single minute of that five round fight against Douglas Lima. Now, when he now that he left after that, that was in 2021. He's been a gone. He's been gone since then. Logan Storley has had several fights since then, and continuously gets better. Continuously is like thriving to like figure out a way to get back at Yaroslav Amosov. I've said this last week. I said this reminds me of Logan Storley being being Clubber Lang, you know, in Rocky Three. He's He's, he's Mr. T, he's Clubber Lang. He's the guy that's getting, he's, he's fighting and fighting and fighting while Yaroslav Amosov is away. And in the movie, it was, it was Sylvester Stallone, Rocky. What he was doing, he was out doing presses. He was out doing photo shoots. He was out doing commercials. He was out doing modeling. He was out doing all that stuff. And this situation was different. Yaroslav Amosov is out there in Ukraine defending his country where you got Logan Storley who is out there just getting better every single day. One person being driven by defending his country, being driven by doing what he feel he feels he needs to do for himself, for his family, for his country, and the other person doing the same thing, but in a different way. Someone who's constantly getting better. Somebody with Yaroslav Amazov on his mind every second of every minute of every day. And that's Logan Storley with Yaroslav Amazov. This fight. I look for be I look for there to be some back and forth exchanges in terms of not all not only on the feet, but I look for this to also be on the ground. A lot of wrestling involved, a lot of scrambles involved, and a lot of a lot of getting after it on the feet, man. I think also too there was a lot of talk that Yaroslav Amosov because he got tired in that first fight, but was still able to get the win. There was a lot of talk that he basically had let himself balloon up so much between the fights that he has had a horrible weight cut and he just really started to show what it what what happened in that fight. And that end of that second round, into that third round, he slowed down, but he was able to get that third round and win the and win the third round in the judges' eyes. 
Logan Storley feels like he could have done more. He could have done more on the feet. He didn't believe in his stand-up in that fight until the third round when he had no choice but to stand because the wrestling wasn't working for him, and it was so much of a scramble back and forth. So I think we're going to see two guys, Logan Storley coming off some big wins, but also in terms of with Logan Storley, his win over uh, Naaman Gracie on the feet where he dominated the boxing position. He dominated some of the kicking. He was able to stuff the takedowns and keep the fight on the feet where most thought that Naaman Gracie was going to be able to outbox him on the feet because Naaman was starting to work um, at King's MMA and was getting better on the feet. All of those things played a factor. But in this fight, I look for these guys to use all their tools, all their weapons. And when you realize that these are the two of the best, if not the best welterweights in the world, I believe Yaroslav Amosov right now is the best welterweight in the world. If I put him against... If I put him against the guys, Leon Edwards, I think he beats Leon Edwards. And I'm a big fan of Leon Edwards. I've trained with him. I've, I've got nothing but great things to say about him. But in the fight between Yaroslav Amosov and Leon Edwards, I'm going to go with Yaroslav Amosov. I think Yaroslav Amosov has a harder time with Kamaru Usman. But styles make matchups, ladies and gentlemen. If I was to put Logan Sturley against Kamaru Usman, I would say Logan Sturley wins that fight because I've already heard all the stories about the wrestling department. How Logan can dominate the wrestling. How Logan can take him down at will. How, I mean, not so much at will, but how Logan can dominate the wrestling portion of it and slow Kamaru down. And if he's able to do that, then he dominates and then he wins that fight. And I can move on to Joey, Joey Black Ice Davis, man. Joey Davis is kind of a hybrid between the two. Joey Davis is a guy in that welterweight division who's dynamic on the feet. He is a bigger version of AJ McKee. Dynamic on the feet, great wrestling, phenomenal f- speed and and uh, footwork, as well as his stand-up, explosive, fast, hit hard, kick hard, all of those things. He is so good. And so when I look at that stylistically, I look those top three guys, I match those top three guys against any of the top welterweights in the world, hands down, and I'll take my top three in the Bellator division over any of the other top three in any other division and any other promotion. So, but look... Let's worry about this fight. This is going to be a big and dynamic fight happening uh, in Dublin this weekend. Check it out. Next fight. Coleman right here. Yeah, look at Pedro Cavallo, and then you've got uh, Pedro Cavallo, and then you've got uh, Jeremy Kennedy. Jeremy Kennedy coming off a weird kind of funky win over um, over Aaron Pico. But nothing to his, nothing against him. He did what he was supposed to do. He went out there, did what he was supposed to do, and he ended up getting the win. But I look at this where Pedro, Pedro, where Pedro is weak is Pedro's the guy that will push the pace. He's the guy that will try to grind you down. He'll take a couple shots, but he'll try to continue to impose impose his will on you. Jeremy Kennedy is a huge, huge uh, uh, bantamweight. So when I look at this, not bantamweight, uh, featherweight, featherweight. When I look at this fight, when I look at this fight, though, Jeremy Kennedy, when I looked at him compared to Aaron Pico, and Aaron Pico was not a big featherweight either, by the way. Everyone's like, oh, but he fought at 55. He should have never fought at 55. Nobody in the in the featherweight division would fight him. So he had no choice but to fight at, 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 uh, at featherweight after that. And then he ended up with a loss, and everyone all of a sudden was like calling him out. But in this fight here with Pedro, and you got Jeremy. Jeremy is someone who is big for the weight. He will hang on you. He will grapple you. He will stand with you. He'll grind on you. He'll push you to the fence. He has got, he's got that maturity in him in terms of the experience in the cage at 18 and three that he can do a lot to people that people don't realize. So if he can start to slow Pedro Cavallo down and start to make him second guess what he's doing, 
Make him start taking some shots because Pedro is not the same fighter after he takes a couple big shots. He starts fighting a little careless. Starts fighting a little bit more reckless because he, he feels like he's one of those fighters. If you hit me, I want to hit you back. And that just opens up a game for you to get for you to get hit even more. And I just feel like if Jeremy Kennedy can just stay composed, don't chase after too much, try to touch him, touch him, touch him, and then start to get a takedown and dominate the top position, I think that he'll be able to come away with the win. Now I don't see if this I don't see if I don't see him maybe getting the finish, but I see him being able to grind on Pedro. I see him be able to to get the takedown, avoid the submissions, do work from the top position, make Pedro work from the bottom. But where Pedro is most dangerous is when that fight gets into that second, like the round two and a half into the third round, he starts picking up the pace. He starts grinding. He starts making you work from every position. He starts making you second guess whether you want to be in there or not. And so um, this should be a really, a really fun fight, to be honest. Back and forth battle a little bit. I think, but Jeremy in the size, I lean towards Jeremy in rounds one and two. And look for if the fight goes into that into that third round, look for Pedro to start trying to pick up the pace, start landing the big shots, and try to try to get a submission from there or dominate the third round to make it a 10A round. Uh, Peter Cooley coming off of his loss. Um, and look for him to really try to get back on track. Bryce Logan, tough, man. But Peter Cooley's just got a Peter Cooley's got all the tools. He can stuff takedowns, he can get after it on the feet. He just gotta stay composed, man. He can't let he's got he can't let that that Irish crowd get him so hyped up that he makes mistakes, you know. And uh, look, he's had a, he hasn't had a he hasn't had a great go in in Ireland in Dublin. Um, he had a performance with Ryan Scope where he almost got knocked out. He was able to weather the storm and then he came back and got the finish himself. But then he got head kicked and then he almost got then he almost got put away. And he was able to weather that storm and then came back and got the finish himself. And then he didn't have a great performance against Patricky. He had a, a good performance against Patricky, but somewhere else, not in Dublin. And so look for him. Don't let the emotions, Peter Cooley's got to make sure he doesn't let the emotions get the better of him. His walkout is probably the best in the whole world. In terms of if you're when you're in when you're in Ireland, when you're in Dublin, and they start singing zombie, and he starts walking out, it's crazy. If you've never experienced this, you need to go. You need to go to to a Bellator show when Peter Cleese on that card. It is fantastic. It is such, such a great experience. Just dynamic. It's just explosive. These, the crowd and the energy, everything is fantastic. Then you've got Sinead uh, Kavanaugh. I love her to death. She is an animal. She's got big punchy power. She's got a lot of heart, a lot of heart coming off of her knee surgery against Janae Harding, where Janae and her have already fought. And the two of them, they make for a good match, man. Janae's just got to make sure she doesn't make any mistakes. I look for the two of them. Janae's got the win over Sinead, but Sinead's also someone that she has shown a lot of uh, growth since their first fight and look for her to really change the way she fights moving forward. She's going to really try to like land the big shots. She's got to make sure that she doesn't make any mistakes. She doesn't get caught in submission. Janae is very good off of her back, good off from the top position, good ground and pound, good elbows, all of those things. But Janae fights kind of careless. She leaves her chin up in the air when she throws her kicking and her striking and her boxing. And she makes she makes it fun, but she's got to make sure that she's very cautious and careful with all of that when she's making her decisions. We'll see. That should be a good fight. Go ahead and scroll on down. Let's see what else we got on here. Kieran Clark is 6-0. Good fighter. He's just uh, he's someone that never has, has a boring fight. He's a guy, though, that he'll always <clears throat> end up on the ground. Chasing submission, chasing submission, 
submissions, but he'll be taking some big shots in the process. Uh, Brian Moore, good boxer, try to keep this thing on the feet and uh, try to let his hands go, try to land the big shot. He's just got to be more active with his kicks. The thing with I have a problem with Brian Moore, and I don't have a problem with him. What I said, and I've told this to him to his face, bro, you just got to let it go. You've got to let the combinations go. He's that kid that just, come on, you've got good boxing, you've got great kicks. Let it all go, man. Well, I don't know what you're holding back for. So he, he's got to just find a way to let it go. Uh, you have Skatizi, good fighter, very impressive. You know, um, I don't know much about his opponent. I'm not even trying to say his name. I'm going to butcher it. Dave, can you say his name? Dimitri? Yeah, no, Dimitri. I got Dimitri. What's his last name? Hrutsenko? 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 He's 7-0. Mm. All right, well, I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> Richie Smolin making his return back to the Bellator cage. That should be a good fight. And then uh, Charlie Ward versus Mike Shipman. Now, Mike Shipman is known for his wrestling, his ground and pound. He's got really awkward stand-up, a little bit of that, that Keith Jardine herky-jerky. But he's a good fighter, man. He's a really good fighter. And just he has that that body type and that that he, he just looks like someone who's like cock strong. Somebody who just when he grab a hold of you, like, holy shit, this guy is strong. Against Charlie Ward, one of the biggest punchers in the game. <clears throat> Loads up a lot though. But man, he can take a shot and he can deliver a shot. But this is the return of somebody that I really want to talk about is Norbert Naveni Jr. His dad, I believe, was on the Olympic Greco-Roman team uh, for, where was he from? Click on where he's from. Romania? Not Romania. Uh, where's he from? Sloden. Uh Hungary. Hungary. So his dad, I believe, was on the Olympic Greco-Roman team for uh, Greco-Roman wrestling. This kid's phenomenal, man. I look at him. He's got power in his legs he's got that body type he has more of a taekwondo style stand-up he trains out of uh where's he out Shootbox. uh association london shoe yeah fighter. london shoe fighter so london shoe fighter so he trains with um mvp and those guys he has more of that taekwondo style stand-up and he's a fantastic fantastic fighter and uh just fun to watch, man. Good wrestler, good top position. He's young. He's a baby. He's 23. He got injured when he was 21, I believe. Scrolling down. When was his last fight? Uh, He's coming off of it. Yeah, 2020. So October 1st of 2020. He got injured, hurt his knee. <clears throat> just making his comeback now. So I got nothing but the best for him. He's a dynamic fighter. Him and like a Joey Davis kind of remind me of each other a little bit. But uh uh Norvenny Jr., I believe he's a he's a he's a, a middleweight, correct? Uh, or is he one seventy? Middleweight. Yeah, he's a middleweight. Yeah, he got some thick, thick legs, man. He's a thick boy. Yep. It's a one eighty five. Mm. All right. Well, hey, that's gonna wrap up our Bellator talk, <clears throat> and we are gonna talk. And what are we gonna talk here? Jake what do you Paul, got for me, podcast? Jake Dave? Paul versus Tommy Furies this weekend. Oh man. I'm surprised this fight actually is coming about. I feel like they just announced this like three or four weeks ago. Has it been this long? It's a little bit longer, a little bit longer than that. Wow. You know what, Dave? I'm going to ask you this. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I'm just taking a note right now. Over the table. Nah, um, what do you think? You caught me off guard. You're sidestepping right now. Uh, based on what Big John said, I think Jay Paul's going to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think right now, look, there's a lot of things that we can say about Jake Paul. Oh, he's a YouTuber. He's just doing it for the spotlight. He's all of these things. 
And, you know, and I was saying that too from the beginning. I'm one of those guys. I call, I call him Poodle Hair, Poodle Hill, or what do I call him? Poodle Hair. Yeah, something like Boxer, that. Poodle. Yeah, I call him something like that. Because he had like kind of the weird Poodle Hair in the, in the front and the back for a while. <laughs> uh, he Maybe he still does. I haven't paid attention. But <clears throat> what you can't deny is his skill. He's a talented boxer. He's spending the time. He's putting in the work. The difference that I see is that he is the one taking it very serious. Where you take a look at his brother, his brother's the one that is really just kind of using boxing as a way to make a lot of money. I look at Jake Paul as he really is starting to make a little bit of a run of that. I could actually become a real boxer. Now he may never fight the, the you know for a world championship. He may never do that, and that's okay. Because the amount of money he's making per fight to fight guys like Tommy Fury, to fight guys like Ben Askren, to fight all these other guys, you know, uh, Tyron Woodley, he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to fight the best in the world. I mean, if he's making three to four to two to to five to six, whatever million dollars it is, you know, and he's fighting guys that he feels like within his realm to beat. Who are we to knock him for that? Now, Tommy Fury, I think, is a little bit more, uh, a little bit harder for him to chew off on because. Tommy Fury is a big guy. Tommy Fury, I think Jake Paul is finally fighting someone who's relatively in his same weight class and somewhat in the same age bracket. And that's where the difference was when I looked at him and I looked at Anderson Silva. Is that Anderson Silva, sure, they both weighed in around the same. And you would say Anderson Silva has more of the skill level. In terms of, yeah, boxing, I think think, think Anderson Silva, if you take Anderson Silva when he was, if he was a little bit younger, give him at 40 years old, 38 years old, in that position, then I would I would have said Anderson Silva all day. The speed, the reach, the style, the way he moved his head, all of those things I would have went with Anderson Silva. In their la- in that last fight, though, I, it had me nervous because Anderson Silva just couldn't take a shot like he normally had, and that it, that's been proven since the Chris Weidman fight from the you know from the other fights with uh, Michael Bisbing, who Michael Bisbing is not known for any power, but he was able to sit uh, Anderson Silva to his butt. Now you look at someone like Jake Paul, who he obviously possesses power because no one's ever starched. Nobody has ever starched Tyron Willie like that. And he did it in one shot. And so he's got power. No matter what people want to criticize Jake Paul about, Tommy Fury's got his hands full in this fight. And what I think, though, is if Tommy Fury can go ahead and... And I've never seen Tommy Fury in a knockdown, drag-out type fight. <clears throat> what Tommy Fury's got to do, he's got to put a lot of pressure. He's got to make him fight an uncomfortable fight. I don't know if Tommy Fury has that type of boxing in him for him to do that. I mean, have you seen any of that, any of that from him, Jay, uh, Dave? Uh, I don't I haven't watched Tommy Fury fight before. <clears throat> Jeez, man. What do you do on your spare time? <laughs> <laughs> I watch Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. <clears throat> oh, I like Bobby Lashley. He's my guy. <clears throat> He's my boy, man. He just moved to uh, Frisco, Texas. He's in that. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. I'm having a little breakdown here. <coughs> it's the weather, man. I was up on the mountain all day and whew, got my nostrils no. going. Got my butt. Yeah, it's snowing like crazy. It was super windy and cold today. But um, had a good hey, time. Let me, um, good snow. Let me get your thoughts on this. Uh, Bo Nico um, said he's going to be training with Jake Paul to kind of tr- help him train for MMA. What do you think about that? <clears throat> I mean, they both could probably help each other a little bit. I mean, Jake could probably help on some boxing. If you think about this, right? If Bo Nickel hangs around with Jake Paul, maybe he has access to his boxing coaches. The ones that Jake Paul pays a ton of money to have around. 
So that being said, if he gets a little bit of input from those from those coaches, all those top level coaches, I mean, that's no different with other other fighters. A lot of people would show up at wild card because if they could just get a little tip from Freddie Roach here, a little bit of advice from from one of the other coaches that was there, it was it was a lot to take in. Oh, you're just you know what? Because top level coaches don't say too much. They'll just tell you the, the the biggest things that they see that you could be improved on in just a couple words. And that's all you need to, that's what makes Javier Mendez such a great coach. That guy will talk your damn ear off. But when it comes to like actual coaching, he's like, no, no, move your head a little bit. No, no, move your head a little bit. Like he, he there's not much. No, move your, move your head offline. No, no, you know, like don't dip your head, throw your jab off your movement. That's all he'll say. There's not a lot of like, yeah, put your foot here. Okay, yeah, but sh- drop your shoulder here. Okay, yeah, but do this. There's none of that. Top-level coaches don't worry about that little stuff. They do when it's like real breakdown training, but when they're watching you do whatever it is you're doing, <coughs> in a sparring session, those coaches that are around Jake Paul and you got Bo Nickel there, they're going to say, okay, look, you're looking good with your power. You're looking good with your pressure. But instead of just lunging in with your shots, maybe take a step to the right or the left and then throw off of that. And then if you land clean, then throw another shot. That's probably as much input as they're going to give him for a day or two. And they're going to say, hey, work off of that. That's the type of things. Like They're taking the overall picture. What are the main things that I can say to you that will have an automatic impact? That's what big coaches, that's what big time coaches do. They're not worried about, you know, they're not worried about, okay, yeah, if you got to move your foot here as you do this and then do this, then move your shoulder this way. Okay, make sure you keep your chin tucked. Okay, coaches aren't doing that. Not, not not major coaches, not big-time coaches. Now, if you're their guy, you're the one that you're working with them nonstop and you've been working with them on a daily basis, then they're going to fine-tune you. Okay, your chin's coming up when you throw your jab. Let's work on keeping that tennis ball tucked, you know, between your chin and your chest. Let's work on that a little bit. You know, there's little details. They're going to have drills work. You have you work on your drills in certain things. That's when they work on the fine-tuned stuff. But if Bonuckle's in there sparring with him, and afterwards, Jake Paul's coaches come over and talk to him and say, hey, or they work with him on the mitts. They're going to work on one, maybe two things. They're going to be simple as hell, and he's going to get better because of it. So I think it's a wise choice. you know. And, and, and Jake Paul, if he can get any wrestling, any wrestling whatsoever out of Bodenick, which I can't imagine he wouldn't, then that's going to make him a better fighter if he decides to fight MMA. Hands down, better fighter. Bodenick is at a level where he's going to give that solid, world-class wrestling advice. It's going to be one or two things. Do this, do that. It's going to change the game. It's going to change the way that Bo Nickel approaches uh, his stand-up and change the, the way uh, Jake Paul uh, a, 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 adapts to his wrestling. It's the way Jake Paul is going to have to make some changes to his wrestling. And then Bo Nickel has that type of advice. But I look at this fight with Tommy Fury. I don't know if he's the if he's a good enough boxer to put enough pressure on Jake Paul to make him fight an uncomfortable fight without getting tired, without getting tired himself, and without um, without leaving himself open. Now, there's guys that can put pressure, and they've got the cardio to do it. But sometimes they put careless pressure and leave themselves open to be knocked out. There's other guys that they they put they can't put pressure. They can't put pressure, but then they make themselves tired by round six, seven, and eight, and they end up losing seven, eight, nine, ten whatever the rounds are, because they're not used to putting that type of pressure and leave themselves potentially vulnerable to get knocked out. So these are all things and all, I think all these uh, questions need to be answered and we're going to find out uh, come this weekend.
Next. All right. Let's get uh, quick thoughts on three fights here. Um, the first one being talked about is Aljamain Sterling saying on his YouTube channel that he and Cejudo are going to fight in May at UFC 288 for the Bantamweight title. All right, all right, all right. Thoughts, sir? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. Um, I think it's I think it's uh, the fight that needed to happen. Henry Cejudo never never lost the title; he vacated it. Um, Aljamain Sterling has proven to to be a good fighter. I mean, we knew he was a good fighter before, but I also think that now he is um, <clears throat> with his win over Peter Yan and then his win over T.J. Dillashaw. No matter what had happened. And I know, look, Aljo's, Aljo's got a little beef with Big John and I because of what we had said about him in terms of the uh, the first Peter Young fight. He came out and proved us wrong in the second Peter Young fight. I have no I have no ill will towards the guy. No matter what he said about me and whatever, I know he's like, oh, Josh, he used to like you as a fighter, man. But, man, you disrespected me. Now you're a bitch. And I'm like, Aljo, like, I just called what I saw. And I know not everyone wants to hear that. I know fighters don't want to hear that. And nobody wants to hear the truth. But what I saw was someone that, that kind of just, I don't think that you faked being hurt, but I just felt like you faked at the end how dramatic it was, like you didn't know what was going on. You knew what was going on, and it's okay. I wouldn't have wanted to carry on getting uh, fighting too against someone like Peter Yawn, knowing that you could potentially never get that title shot again. You got the title. But then you went out there and proved everyone wrong in the second fight. So you're the better guy. That's really what it comes down to. Like, that was what it came down to at the end, like, now, this fight is is a little bit different because stylistically, I've been on the record to say that Henry Cejudo is a bad matchup for Aljo. But where, I, where I've got to take Aljo's side, though, on this is that Aljo's been active. He's fought Peter Yon twice. He, fought, he got prepared for TJ Dillashaw. I mean, I know it wasn't the most, the most, the best fight, but like he has got the abilities to beat Henry, but Henry's definitely got the abilities to beat him. Henry's going to stuff the takedown. Henry will be the the faster, I believe, the faster fighter on the feet. He will be a little bit smaller than Aljo, but he has their wrestling to take Aljo down. He's got the wrestling to stop Aljo's takedowns. But Aljo is also someone that can be very crafty when it comes to, if I can get Henry in a clinch position, if I can get Henry to a wrestling position, I could potentially get to his back. I could potentially get to like a leg lock position, sweep, get to the top position. I think that he's going to have a hard time out scrambling Henry Cejudo. But, you can, I've lesson learned, you can't count Aljo out, man. Aljo on the feet is good. He's not, I don't think he's as good as Henry. He's bigger than Henry. He's longer than Henry. He can punch and kick, you know, from a further away distance. So Henry's going to have to make it a dog fight. He's going to have to fight him in a phone booth like on how he did with uh, Marlon Marais. Now we can go here and say the MMA math. Marlon's got to win over Aljo when they were both kind of in their prime. Henry's got to win over Marlon. And both when they were considered to be kind of in their prime because they fought for the vacant title. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to be said. But I look at Henry Cejudo. To me, he's a bad matchup for Aljo. But the time away after, what, three years, almost three years, how will that fare for him against someone like Aljamain Sterling? Also, the thing that kind of bothers me a little bit is that Aljo already said, like, hey, if after I beat Henry, you know, I might just, you know, there's nothing left for me in this weight class. I may go up to 45. Bro, there's so much more for you left in this weight class. And I but here's the thing. I understand why he's doing it because <clears throat> because Marab is waiting. And if Marab ends up winning um against uh who's he fighting? Peter Yan. If Marab beats Peter Yan, I could see how Aljo's like, because they're boys. 
will end up going up to one going up to 145 and Marab staying at 135 to to potentially win the the title there. So I I get it. Look, and if if Aljo if if they are as close as they are, which they have been very clear about, Aljo being a good guy, man. That's 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 a good guy. Understanding that, like, look, I beat out I beat out Peter Yan, I beat out TJ, who everyone thought I was gonna lose to. Everyone thought I was gonna lose to Peter, me being included. And then I turn around and beat Henry Cejudo. I could see how he see how he says there's nothing left for him in the 135 pound division. I think there still is, but Marab being there and his Marab being his boy, his main training partner, it makes sense. Go to 145 and let Marab be champ. But what happens? What? Let me ask you this, Dave. What do you think? What do you think happens if he goes to 145 and doesn't have the same type of success there when he could be the champion at 135 and make championship money? That's the hardest part. You leave to go to 145. You're not making championship money at 145 unless you're the champ. But you just you go up and fight for the title, and if you don't win the title, you go right back down. And keep, but then Marab, his boy, you. his boy is gonna be fighting for the title next. Then what? That's what my point is. They've already said they won't fight each other. No. Well, will he be the same guy if he decides to go back down if Marab wins the title and then he turns around and fights for the 45 pound title and doesn't win it? Because I mean, I'm, let's be honest. What we just saw without with Volkanovski. Versus Islam. You're telling me that Aljo's going to go up to 45 and get takedowns? Uh, David Crickets? Is that what we're getting out of you? Crickets? <laughs> <laughs> Do you, you I know mean, what I'm saying? Say, like, if you're, if you're Aljo, though, are you obligated to go up to 45 and vacate because your boy's trying to come up to get a title shot? You got there first? No, but that's what he... That, but I believe what he said in like an interview... Was that there's nothing left for me in this weight class? Marab can go ahead and be the you know go ahead and fight for the title. After that, I'm going to go up to 45. So, like I said, what happens if you yeah, go to he, 45 he and you don't go win? Up and vacate. No, he, he doesn't. Does. He doesn't go up and vacate without without trying for champ champ. You got because he's not going. No, up, I. He's uh, not, okay, so you try for champ champ. Yeah. But then Marab does Marab fight for the interim title in between because that's what happens, right? Volk went up to what to 40 to 55. 50. And then yeah. they just had the interim cha- championship fight. And now you've got now you've got uh, Yair who's going to be fighting uh, Volk next probably, but then you have now you does he does Aljo go up to fifty five or forty five, and fight the winner of Volk and Yair, and then Marab fights for the interim title, and then if if Aljo wants to come back down, is he like ah fuck it we're not we're not as close as we said we should have been, because there's a lot of money in stake, you're talking about making you know three four hundred thousand. Versus making a million, one, two, one, three, one, eight, one, five, whatever it is you're bringing in. <clears throat> Championship money is a big deal. Championship money doesn't just include money. It includes different types. It includes multiple airfares for your corners. It includes multiple hotel rooms for your corners. It includes suites for you, yourself. Like you get a, you get a VIP suite in the, the whatever hotels they're staying at. You get everything. There's there's big, there's more per diem. There's there's all sorts of different things. You get you get pay per view dollars normally. I don't know if his does, but I believe you get pay per view dollars. Majority of fighters when you're champion get pay per view dollars. There's so many things that are at stake when you're talking about championship money. It's not just money. There's a lot of other things that come at, come with it. Sometimes it pretty much means that you get the Monster Energy Drink sponsor. You get whatever other sponsors are available at the time that they're running Prime or whatever it is they've signed with. Those sponsors now also pay you as the champ when you fight. So that's yeah, a lot he, of money you could potentially be losing. He he has to lose to Cejudo first. 
I mean, he has to beat Cejudo first, and then he has to lose to Volkanov. Like, yeah, that's that's, that's that's true. There's there's a lot going on. I guess we're I'm kind of jumping the gun. We are there is a lot going on. He's still got to be a Cejudo, which is and then which Sean is a O'Malley tough task. somewhere in there as well. And what? Sean O'Malley's somewhere in that mix as well. So I don't, don't think know. so. I I don't think I don't think he really he's cares to fight Sean O'Malley. No, I get it, but I don't think he cares to fight Sean O'Malley. Yeah, but he's number one, so either he has to, mm-hmm. or or you know maybe Marab versus Peter happens, and then the winner of that fight fights Sean, and and mm. then and then the winner yeah. of that fight fights Aljo or Tejudo, whoever's champion. Yeah, there's a lot to happen, I guess, between all that. So we'll see. All right, let's look at the next one here. Paul Daly's making his boxing debut against uh, Marcus Perez uh, yeah. for the game bread boxing for mm-hmm. the George, you know that stacked card with Pettis oh, and stacked. Uh, stacked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so Paul Daly's making his boxing debut there. So I guess after retiring from MMA, he Big John him. said he couldn't stay away from fighting. <laughs> Look, he's got power. He's got a big left hook. He likes to rip the body. He hits the body really well. He's got a great chin. He's a gamer. Um, we kind of knew he's probably making pretty damn good money. I know Bellator was paying him pretty well, but uh, he'd never been champion. He fought for the title a couple times. He just he just came up short multiple times, you know. And um, I feel bad because the kid the kid's a fantastic fighter. I call him a kid. He's he's you know I think he's pushing thirty eight, thirty nine, something like that. I think he's thirty nine. He's a fantastic fighter, um, but and I'm a big fan. I mean, he's been around for a while. We used to fight on some of the Strike Force cards together. You know, um, he got a bad rap. Uh, he, you know, he tried to he tried to sucker punch my boy Koscheck, or he did. You know, in the in the cage after they got done with their fight, which got him eventually kicked out of the UFC. But uh, you know, he's always had his biggest problems. He always, he just he always ended up being matched up against top level wrestlers, and. Against top-level wrestlers, he just didn't have the wrestling to stuff him. He was real good at getting back up to his feet. He just had a hard time doing it consistently over and over against guys that could just have been wrestling since they were young kids. John Fitch grinded him out. Uh, Koscik grinded him out. I mean, there's guys back-to-back-to-back. To back to back just, they just were able to hold him down and grind on him and hold him down. And You know, he's a phenomenal fighter, man. So on the feet for him in boxing, good for him. I hope he's getting paid. It seems like everyone on that card is getting paid pretty well. I mean, that's a great card. I cannot wait for that card. I believe that's what April first. Yeah, April first. Yeah. That's gonna <laughs> Imagine be- like just George Masvidal comes out on April first and it's like, haha, it was all a joke. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's scary, right? Yeah. All right, next. <laughs> all right, last one. I'm gonna wrap you up because you're about to double John's time on the yes. night today. So I mean, that's what happens when you're as good <laughs> as me. <laughs> Uh, Drew Dober teasing uh, Paddy Pimblett fight um, same yeah. card as Cejudo and Aljo if that happens and if this happens um, so be in May what do you think about this fight? I think it's a fantastic fight I mean in terms of level of step ups of competition I think the Drew Dober fight would be perfect for Paddy Pimblett I'm, I am a little concerned because Paddy it is a dangerous fight for Paddy Pimblett if I'm going to say there's a jump up in competition but if I compare him to Connor, this is about the same type of same around around the same time that Connor ended up fighting, I believe, like Max or Dustin. It was around that same time. So I think this is a good step up in competition for him. I just don't think that I don't think that Patty is where Connor was in terms of the matchups on the feet. Drew Dober on the feet with the takedown defense <clears throat> um is good. I think he gives Patty a really hard time and with I think potentially has a really good chance of beating him. 
And what we just saw in his last fight, Patty's last fight, <clears throat> you know, he he struggles with guys that are super aggressive. And Drew Dober is very aggressive. He'll take a shot to give a shot. And he's he's a, he's a he's a winner, man. He finds ways to grind out. He finds ways to to get in your face, make you feel uncomfortable. And for some reason, Patty Pimlet right now is I believe that he starts to slow down a little bit as the fight goes on because he doesn't take care of his body between fights. He puts on so much weight. His face gets so fat. His body gets so big. And he just spends his whole camp losing weight. Look, let me give you guys an example. Uh, may you rest in peace, but, you know, Anthony Johnson. I used to train Anthony, you know, from in the beginning of his career. Um he would spend his whole fight camps cutting weight that we would hit mitts just with plastics on, like pretty much from like four to five weeks out for him to start getting his weight down. Like, I don't know if that's where Patty's at, but I mean, everyone's seen the videos of him between fights. He's huge. You just, you don't get, you don't get an opportunity to get better because if you're not in shape, before your camp starts, your whole camp is you getting your body in shape, which means that if you're tired, that means that you're not able to do the things that you want to do to see if you can do them. <clears throat> if that doesn't make sense, what I mean by that is there's things that I work on outside of my camps. and But then I've got to be in shape to hit those while I'm in fight camp. If I want to hit like a new leg scissor takedown, if I want to hit a new, a new snatch shingle to a flare, to a reverse dump, you know, to anything like I want to bounce you off the cage, lift and scoop. I can't do any of that if I'm not in shape and it's the second or third round and I'm gasping for air. I just automatically resort back to what I know I can get away with, whether that's like getting the takedown and just laying on top of you, whether that's like foot sweeping you and getting to the top position or just circling and staying away, snapping a jab. All of those things are just pressing you to the fence and controlling you there. <clears throat> those are all things that I'll revert back to knowing that because I'm not in good enough shape, I'm just going to use what works, not use what I feel like there's new things that I want to develop. And so that's kind of where I see with Patty. He he gets so big in between his fights that he is not getting any better. He's the same jiu-jitsu guy. He's the same stand-up guy. Sure, he's a fighter. There's no doubt about it. He's a gamer. He's a fighter. All of those things that make you a, make you a fighter. He is him. He has him. He has him in him. There's no doubt. But he's not getting better. And these other guys, they're constantly at home. They're that's why that's why the Nomagomenovs are so damn good. They're not out drinking. They're not out stuffing their faces. I mean, sure, they're eating a little tiramisu and a little and having some Pepsi's and Cokes and whatever it is. You know, but they're not out drinking. They're not out partying. They're not out chasing ladies. They're not out doing any of that shit. They're really just focusing on their craft. You can't say the same for these other fighters. You definitely can't say the same for Patty Pimlet. He is focused on as soon as his fight's done, he gets his check and he goes out and he's enjoying himself, which he should. But in that process, you got to be in the gym constantly getting better. You got to be working on new techniques, whether that's grappling, whether that's footwork, you know, in your boxing, whether that's different styles of setting up your kicks. All of those things, whether that's your takedown defense. I mean, I saw in his last fight, he had his takedown defense was horrible. 
And he had no answer for when he got taken down on what to do other than out try to outmuscle him. And he, when he wasn't able to do it, it just didn't look good. He had that look on his face of fatigue. And a lot of that can be from him cutting too much weight. And in the process of cutting too much weight, you it looks bad in the cage, which I'm surprised. And I think everyone walked away from that last fight <clears throat> believing that he lost. And so he has a lot to prove coming in this fight. If he is to fight Drew Dober, which I think might be a little bit too much for him. I like the fight. I think it'll be a fun fight. I think it's a little bit too much for him right now. Unless he decides to, to focus directly on being the better fighter. Getting better. Keeping his weight under control. He's making a ton. Of, he must be making a ton of money. With the Barstool deal. With the new. I believe he's got a new UFC deal. With those deals. He needs to be getting himself a full-time nutritionist. Someone that will take care of him like eight weeks, ten weeks out. Pay the four grand, man. Pay the five grand or the eight grand, whatever it is, for your camp, for your nutritionist. Pay that money. Because in, if you do your nutrition by week three or four, you're just getting yourself into shape and you're just able to start um, performing the way you should be. With a nutrition, nutritionist, by weeks two, potentially into week three, you're already in shape. They're on you. They're feeding you the right stuff. Your body's getting fueled up properly. You're able to push harder, train harder, all of those things by week two into week three. You do it yourself sometimes. It's week four, sometimes middle of week four, week five, getting into week five, that you're just getting yourself back into shape. Spend the money, man. Spend the time, spend the money, all of those things. You've got to do that. All right, guys. Well, hey, that's going to wrap us up on this talk. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. I know it's a little awkward. We're doing this. I'm, I'm in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho right now, getting some skiing in, visiting some family. My grandmother, she's 95 years old, so I'm here visiting the Grams. And uh, before you guys all go, go to WayneAMerch.com, pick up some of the hoodies. It's still cold as hell outside. So pick up some hoodies, pick up some uh, hats, and uh, we have a co- we have our, some other, some other uh, products and stuff on there. So go to WayneAMerch.com. Do not forget to visit and subscribe, subscribe to our OnlyFans page. Look, I know everyone talking about OnlyFans. You're going to see John and I's, uh, our nipples and maybe our belly button, but that's not what we're going to be showing you guys. We're showing you some extra content. You guys can submit your questions there uh, for our Q&As. You, we're going to have a lot more one-on-one content with you guys there. We're going to try to make it more available for the fans when you guys subscribe to that page. For those fans, only the fans that subscribe to that page will be allowed to potentially do a Q&A personally with us through a live chat or through uh, a live video feed. So we're working on some new things to help engage with our with our fans directly, only with the ones on OnlyFans. So make sure you guys go to, Dave, say it again. OnlyFans.com slash weighing in. OnlyFans.com slash weighing in. Make sure you guys visit us, visit us there. Check us out. It's all free content right now. Uh, we'll be throwing up some, some content that you guys can either uh, tip us, pay us for, whatever it is. But that content will be coming soon. Right now, everything's free, man. We'll just go there. Dropping some new content here and there. It's about our lives. John will be talking to you about some pig shit, some farms, and some turkeys, and all this other stuff. And me, it'll be me on the slopes, probably. It'll be me uh, spending time at some, you know, my indoor soccer, doing all the stuff that I do on the outside of the cage and the outside of the gym and all those things. So, you also, if you guys have questions for us, drop them there. 
whether it's about John, how to become a referee, whether it's with me, with uh, any type of jiu-jitsu techniques, stand-up techniques, any of that stuff, how my golf swing is, how I beat Daniel Cormier in golfing every week almost. Pretty much that guy just pays me money. I have a direct account for him just right into my account because he owes me so much money for playing golf. And, uh, yeah, this is what we do, man. So check us all out there. And, uh, hey, we will see you.